Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome, buckle up, for an episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, our third this week. Did you catch the mini-sode with Wade Boggs? Hope you did. It's up on the YouTube channel. It's up on all podcast platforms. If you're in all that, we hope you're an audio listener and a video enjoyer. Uh, and we welcome you here to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the third of the week and the third online in all forms. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We're two games out of three through the Angels series. The Yanks have split the first two so far this year. They're a remarkable 9-0 and in games where they could lose the series if they lose them. They have not lost a single one of those yet. means they're extremely bad at winning game one of series. Pretty weird. Uh, someday they're going to lose the series. It could be in a couple hours. They're facing Patrick Sandoval, a left-hander who's had a great start to the year. And the Yankees are not hitting lefties at all, which we examine uh, coming up at a piece on the website this weekend, as soon as we have the updated stats from the Sandoval game. But uh, this team is righty heavy, and they don't hit lefties. And the offense is bad, um, and they need to figure out a way to fix that. So far, so not good. Uh, they don't get on base, as Brandon Cuddy pointed out in an article he wrote for The Athletic this week, too. Uh, they're now 21st in the league in OBP. It was 24th when he wrote it, but they've only gone up one percentage point from 307 to 308, so nothing really to be proud of. They don't get on base. They don't get hits with the runners in scoring position. Once they get there, they've scored two, two, and three runs in their last three games. Yesterday might have been the worst of all of those games, but they somehow won it, uh, thanks in, in large part to Rob Manfred's Manfred runner at second base. The ghost runner came up huge. Glaber Torres hit a sack fly to win that game after the pitching wriggled out of a million jams. I would say the Yankees pitching deserved to win that game. After Michael King got Shohei Otani whiffing with a runner on third and two outs, and Wandy Peralta got Shohei Otani whiffing with runners on in the seventh inning, and Michael King also got a strikeout looking with a runner at third and two outs in the sixth. Wandy blew it because of a balk I didn't even notice, a two-out balk. Uh, That said, great job by the bullpen, horrific job by the offense, and the Yankees look to take the rubber game later today. We are going to talk about the good from this series, though. Anthony Volpe... Might be a major league hitter after all. Would you look at that? It's like everybody who said you had to be patient might have been right. The numbers are now coming around. The defense has been special. He's been stealing bases all year long. We might be seeing the first stages of a breakout in action. Don't expect him to be a superstar by next week. But that one game off in Cleveland, the breather to clear his head, definitely put him in a better place. Uh, Again, though, a lot of people still struggling. Glaber Torres since he left that game with groin tightness, has not been the same. Clark Schmidt in the first game of this series. When will this experiment end? Plus, setbacks for Carlos Rodon and Josh Donaldson, but the latter not exactly making us lose any sleep at night. And a solution appeared, like a Pokemon. A wild solution appeared on the pitching free agent market today, but uh, we're, I, don't, I don't know. I can't, even, I can't even make myself enthusiastic about it, but we got to talk about it. Madison Bumgarner is here. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Join the live stream Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. And if you're one of our valued listeners, Thomas Carinate has a special offer for you. When do I not? I'm the offer guy. Um, for everyone in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, hope you're there. Hope you're listening. Um, DraftKings is here. We're going to have a good time with DraftKings. Uh, head on over to DraftKings.com or download the app, whichever you prefer. App is pretty dope, though. I'd suggest that. Um if you are a first-time user, you go to DraftKings, you punch in the code YanksGoYard, uh, and you bet $5 on any sport, you get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Uh, so you can bet on the Yankees at 4 o'clock today, Nasty Nestor on the mound. Um, we got NBA playoffs. Uh, we got some golf. We got NHL playoffs. I don't know what you're into, but there's plenty of stuff to do it on. Um, so please head on over to DraftKings.com uh, or download the app. Again, the code is YanksGoYard, $5 in any sport, $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Uh, it's minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only. Uh, you must be 21 and present. Uh, if you're in New York and have a gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. If you're in New Jersey, call text 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, if you're in Connecticut, call 888-789-777 um, or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. It's very important, guys. This supports the pod, supports us. Uh, we think you like us. If you're listening, you're tuning in, you're watching us. We'd, we'd hope so. Um, so please head on over there if you're uh, looking to get involved in the betting space. Uh, remember, micro bets, be responsible, don't drink and bet. Um, I'll tell you every episode. But that's the offer, DraftKings, code YanksGoYard. And happy 420, everybody. You know what that means. That means the Yankees play at 405 today, and Fernando Tatis Jr. returns to my fantasy team. Um, and it also means you can get really high. Technically. recreational state. Yeah. There are more than ever. It's spreading across the country. One of them is New Jersey is one of those, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, Anthony Volpe is a New Jersey native. I don't know how he gets down, wow. but I know he was uh, struggling to stay comfortable in front of his home state fans early last season. Uh, had kind of a tough April, tough May, uh, but uh, then he turned the corner in June, July, August for sure. Um, so it's worth talking about him and highlighting him as a positive yeah. early in this series because uh, starting off the year, uh, there were moments like there were flashes, like three stolen bases in the first series, mostly looked comfortable at short, but made some weird plays in the second Giants game, uh, lost his legs on one of those hard liners, dropped one, made some weird plays in that middle Phillies game uh, and couldn't hit really to start the year. So you had the boo birds out, um, not in full force because everybody loves Anthony Volpe. This was not yeah. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, but you definitely had people being like, uh, uh, nervous laughing. Uh, what the fuck? Like, why is this uh, Why is this not happening? Uh, everybody was sort of agreed, though, that he's a slow starter. We got to wait. We got to wait a little while before we pass any judgment. But he probably did need that day off in Cleveland. And, uh, oh, would you look at that? His last seven games, he's now hitting 318. That's seven for 22. Three runs scored, six walks, five more stolen bases, his first career home run. Last night in game two against the Angels, a victory. Two singles, line drives, 104.6 miles an hour, 99.5. One of them came in the bottom of the eighth to lead off the inning with a full count to set things up for Aaron Judge. Oh, shocker. Everybody stranded him. Uh, he did not score, but he also took a huge walk, made two great defensive plays yesterday. His average is now over 200, which no one's going to act like 200 is good. But when you were sitting in the 130s and 140s and everybody was talking about whether we made this move too soon, uh, all of a sudden, Volpe's still the shortstop. Volpe looking comfortable at shortstop. Oswald Peraza is here, too. Josh Donaldson not coming back anytime soon. We'll talk about him later. And uh, all of a sudden, this looks like a, a valid play by the Yankees. You just got to tip your cap to the kid who, again, is not going to be a superstar by next week. But what's going on on offense right now? It's like Judge hitting bombs. Anthony Rizzo's hitting over 300, even though it has not been very noticeable. And Volpe is sort of the generator of this relatively dead team. Yeah, it's been uh, the slow start is the slow start. It's a guy making his MLB debut, very limited experience at AAA. And what did what did really anybody want? Anybody? All the fans wanted to see from him was steady defense, which I think he's gone above and beyond. He's been absolutely tremendous at shortstop. Um, and they wanted to see him be a threat on the base paths, which he's had. He's uh, second in the league in steals at this point, only behind Cedric Mullins, uh, who has one more steal than him. Um, 
And you look at like fundamental issues with hitters, right? Anthony Volpe simply wasn't finding, you know, the gaps. He wasn't, he wasn't putting the ball in the right spots. You look at his OBP, 339. It's 135 points higher than his average. That has value. If you're walking um, uh, 11 times in your first 18 career MLB games, it's evident that you're a hitter. It's evident that you can, you can pick your spots. Um, you know what pitches to hit. Um, you have a good instinct when you know facing this th- this next level um, of, of skill set among uh, the the league's best pitching. So um, yes, the average was a little bit concerning, but he was still getting on base. He was still causing ruckus on the defensive end, and most importantly, he was a steady defensive and still is a steady defensive present at shortstop, which is all this team has needed ever since Didi Gregorius left. Um, so many games were prolonged. So many innings were prolonged because of lackluster defense at shortstop, um, lack of aggression, um, in, you know, charging balls or lack of conviction in, you know, any instinctual process on the defensive end. Um, he's done everything he's at, everything he's been asked of on that side of the ball. Um, so this is not going to be something that's overnight where, uh, he's going to debut and every every tool that he has is going to be maximized beyond belief. It's going to be a little there's going to be some growing pains. Um, I'm, I'm fine with hitting the hitting, taking a little bit of time because that's probably more natural. I'm glad he settled in defensively and I'm glad that the instincts on the base paths are there because it's changed the complexion of this team. I've been actually impressed in this series. Um, first of all, the Angels bullpen which I feel like casuals still decry as like embarrassing and like, Oh, just wait for the blow up the angels bullpen. They've been good all year and they've been really good in this series. They have like a two ERA and they're like 40 some odd innings. Um, But more importantly, um, also you wouldn't know until you saw it, but I've been impressed with both shortstops. I think Volpe has taken things over for the Yankees and the angels have promoted 2022 first rounder Zach Neto to the bigs and he looks comfortable too. He attacked yeah. two pitches. Um, you know, again, the angels barely scored yesterday. They hit with risk just as well as the Yankees did. So it's not like we're saying angels offense, good Yankees offense, bad. It took Gio Urshela hitting a pitch off the ground and some sort of weird balk bailout for the angels to tie the game yesterday. And they couldn't push the ghost runner across with the heart of the order up. But Zach Neto twice yesterday, Waited, took pitches, fouled him off, got one center cut and ambushed it down the left field line. And Volpe sort of looks the same way lately. Uh, Andy Martino pointed it out. Basically, if you're not picking up on the fact that these at-bats are more professional lately, you're not. You're watching a different game. And the OBP tells you that. Uh, the walk he took, I was extremely impressed with yesterday, but it's easy to get lost in the shuffle because he does that all the time. You're right. A, a 204 average with an OBP in the 330s is extremely advanced stuff. He And this is not even to mention the defense yesterday, which was ball up the middle line drive that he got to and threw the runner out easily, uh, ball in the hole to the other side that he got to corralled and sort of did a jeter jump throw but stayed on the ground. Sexy. The, uh, the early stat cast metrics say the arm strength, not great, but we already knew that. But he does put himself in position to make these plays anyway. And everything else has been great. The speed in the upper 90s percentile-wise. Uh, walk rate in the or maybe it's speed in the 80s walk rate in the 90s but both of them are, are hard hard red and the outs above averages you know it treats him kindly uh so i i just think it goes you know it deserves to be mentioned that he he is sort of carrying himself like this we everybody said jeter when he when he made the big league roster because so of you got to compare him to the most recent homegrown shortstop um and there's a little jeter in there there's smoothness in the field and everybody knew jeter wasn't the most elite shortstop but he won gold gloves anyway it's almost like jeter in the field and dustin pedroia at the plate no. uh like recognizing pitches in the zone ripping when he gets one and that does result in some loud whiffs sometimes sometimes the ball cuts in under his hands and you end up with him spinning himself in a circle at home plate but the pitches he's hitting are uh fastballs that he is hitting hard carving in spaces up the middle and through holes uh and the swing is large so it almost feels like smooth in the field like jeter uh raucous at the plate like pedroia yeah i hate that comp but it's kind of right uh volpe has i've noticed i mean i'm sure everybody's on it he gets under everything kind of once he levels out that swing those are going to be rockets and then laser show i guess our friend Dustin Pedroia, um, it'll more more so look like that. So um, I'm I, I, I'm confident in that turnaround. Uh, 
a big positive here is like what what did we see the last few years? We saw guys like IKF. Well, his his offense was never prominent. Glaber is probably the better example. We saw Glaber, who was really good offensively, transition to shortstop, or you know that was where he was supposed to play anyway. Defense cratered, confidence cratered altogether. Defense sucked, offense sucked, attitude sucked, body language sucked. You have Anthony Volpe, who was struggling pretty badly on the offensive end, did not affect his play on the defensive end whatsoever, did not affect his instincts and his um, aggression on the Bates paths whatsoever, did not affect his energy at all. Cameras on him all the time. You can't tell there's a thing wrong with the guy. So that's another important thing I guess we got to notice. Yeah, uh, he homered. He had his first career home run to lead off a game that ended up being a loss where Clay Holmes blew it. And somebody screen grabbed him for one second, smiling in the post game, talking about the home run, said that viral. And you know what? Didn't hear about it again from him. All he did was go out and keep producing. Um, Pretty cool. cool. Nothing wrong with that. Um, And also, yeah, it's weird that the fan base was trying to shame him for that. But uh, unfortunately, this is a Volpe and Judge only offense right now. Uh, They put up two runs and two ABs yesterday. Uh, Volpe single Judge homer. That's the second time they've done that this week. The other one, the aforementioned Twins game, where they both homered back-to-back. That game, the only run they scored for the remainder of the game was a Giancarlo Stanton home run. He ain't here anymore. Yesterday, the only run they scored was a runner that was given to them by Rod Manfred's rules. Uh, good job by Gleyber Torres getting him in and and taking one uh, out to right center for a sack fly. But still, they are absolutely slumbering. Uh, Franchi Cordero in a slump. Willie Calhoun getting DH reps over Oswald Peraza. IKF is your pinch hitter off the bench. Most embarrassing moment of last night's game was Oswald Peraza gets hit to start at the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera tries to bunt, bunts directly to Gio Urshela playing first base hard. Urshela gets the force out at second. Uh, He's a third baseman playing first. Maybe don't do that. Maybe don't test him. If you're going to bunt, don't butt hard right at him. Uh, And then IKF comes up as the pinch hitter with the winning run in scoring position and Strikes out on a on a on a changeup that's hanging over the uh, hanging over the plate, but there's nobody there's nobody on the bench. There's so few people on the bench that I was like IKF. Yeah, that makes sense. That's actually kind of a valid like. Yeah, I guess that's that's who I want up here. I don't want Aaron Hicks. We already oh we already used Willie Calhoun, so I guess we can't use him. Uh, dire Straits. Uh, this this offense is obviously in need of a shakeup. Problem is, I don't know what it is. There's nobody here. Is it Harrison Bader coming back? I don't know. Um, is it DJ LeMahieu finding some sort of a consistent stroke? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things here. Like Jose Trevino, not an all-star level offensive catcher. Love no. the guy. Just last year was great. That's We can't expect that. Um, Franchi Cordero, really great flash in the pan action. Was really good to keep us afloat for the first, you know, two and a half weeks of the season. You can't really expect that to even be, you know, uh, the, the half of what he's capable of doing uh, over the course of a larger sample size. Um, Glaber Torres, we'll talk about the groin issue in a minute, but I am most concerned about Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, I thought at the onset of this season we were going to see um, a noticeable jump in his production. Um, especially on the offensive end, because of the way that he came on at the end of last year, he had that homer in the DS. Um, he was playing all over the, all over the field, uh, during the playoffs, which was, you know, the most stressful time to be thrusted into action. Now he looks lost at the plate, making some mistakes. That bunt was so bad. He tried to stretch that single into a double, which was like, he has it. It was like, he hesitated and then he went and then it's like, dude, Hunter Renfro's out there. What are you doing? It's either you're going or you're not. Um, so that's a big concern of mine. I was confident he was going to be a 15-15 guy this year. I don't know what that's I don't know if that's going to be true. Uh right now he's hitting 245 with a 255 OBP and a 283 slugging. Um look, first 3 weeks of the season, but he looks lost. It's a little bit concerning. Um and I thought that that was going to be really helpful for the back end of the lineup which we kept looking at and we were like, "Great, it's IKF Hicks and what well, the Trevino or Higashioka and like Donaldson, you know, towards the front there, that kind of sucks. And then you're thinking, Oh, well, you know, maybe Oswaldo pops in and you got some speed, you got switch hitter, uh, not really, not really doing it for us. So, um, I think when, Hey, it's a good argument for the run it back folks who were in our ear all off season, because right now it very much does look like this team is running it back. They are not hitting. 
Um, not only are they not hitting, but they are definitely not hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, they get after the starter and then they let the starter settle in. And then six innings later, you're like, I thought we had this guy on the ropes in the first inning. Mm, yeah, we did. And then we just decided to not do anything else. Um, and now the injuries. Injuries are just they, they, they don't go away for this team. Um, and it's it's more of a, it's going to be a talking point for at least the next six weeks. So here we go. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Griffin Canning uh, is a guy who, uh, you know, basically did nothing. Uh, looked awful into, in that first heading inning. Into last night's game looked awful in the first inning. Then all of a sudden it's five full innings of, of domination. Uh, Jose Suarez, who pitched the first game of this series. Again, the Yankees don't hit lefties. They don't. They do not. So far this year, they are right-handed dominant and they don't hit lefties. Explain that to me. Oh, wait, the explanation is they're running out guys. They're running out seven, eight, nines like Hicks, Higgy, IKF. Oh, that's why they don't hit lefties because they don't hit anybody. But uh, people throwing out uh, somebody, the dregs of Yankee Twitter was throwing out like Jose Suarez's stat cast percentages after three games and being like, this is the guy shutting down the contending Yankees. Okay, cool. But the Yankees offense is bad right now. Uh, Jose Suarez, StatCast percentages, you know what they could do after three starts? <laughs> like, you get two hits off Jose Suarez in an inning, and he goes up into the, you know, yeah. blues for, you know, if he shuts you down for three innings, he goes into the reds. Like, that's no grand metric. But the offense right now is quite bad. Hopefully Harrison Bader fixes something. Hopefully Volpe taking a step forward fixes something. Uh, I know it's odd, but I haven't really noticed Rizzo's contributions that much, yeah. even though you look at the numbers and they've been pretty great. Uh, so you're going to need more consistency there. DJ LeMay, who can't be hitting 240, and it's sort of as simple as that. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You would think that um, somebody outside of Judge, well, well, I mean, it was Stanton. Stanton was hot. Stanton was, yeah. Stanton was hitting the ball well. He was seeing the ball well, and – you know, the problem with this team, once again, is injuries happen and then nobody really steps up um, or like only one person steps up. And then there's like three people performing in the lineup and the and it's not enough. It's simply not enough to get you by on a night nightly basis. So, um, you know, like Wade said the other day, they got to band together as a team. They got to feel comfortable. I think they got to they got to be on the same page. You know, there's there's always moving parts with the Yankees trade deadline off season, bringing up prospects, whatever it may be. So they got to get settled in. Um, April's the time to do it. So please fix it. Correct. Uh, unfortunately, along with all the terrible offense, uh, one man has provided a little bit of offense, but for the angels in this series, Clark Schmidt, uh, he started the opener. Uh, he continues to be uh, the weak link in a, in a rotation with two other weak links at the back mm. of the rotation. Um, his ERA is near nine, uh, four starts in, 14 total innings and four starts not gonna cut it division um he's the only reason that we're talking about the one of the things we're going to be talking about later it's it's very unfortunate that we even have to talk about this but pinstripe alley i will shout out did an excellent piece about schmidt today that basically concluded uh remember all that chatter about him developing the cutter how it was going to be the key factor in shutting down lefties the cutter is getting owned it's like his hardest hit pitch uh, lefties are destroying him. It has helped not at all. And most importantly, it's made his other pitches worse. It has uh, perceptibly changed his sinker grip. In order to get the run on the cutter, it changed the way he throws his sinker, which was previously one of his best pitches and has made it his second worst next to the cutter. Uh, so introducing the cutter may have ruined his arsenal, but no matter what it was, this series gave us a nice Johnny Brito bounce back yesterday, somewhere between starts one and two and starts three. Not throwing a shutout anymore. Battled through four and third innings. Was pulled at the right time. Good job by Burrito against a lineup that includes Mike Trout, Hunter Renfro, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani. A lot of names in the Angels lineup. They should be able to hit, and he did a pretty good job. Uh, but Schmidt was just dreadful in that first game, and nothing was more predictable than Otani taking him yard on the second batter of the game. We know why we have to deal with this. It's no surprise. I'm not shocked. But how much longer do we really have to deal with this? The, the good news is Ken Waldachuk, Hayden Wesneski, and J.P. Sears have all been average to bad so far this year. But you'd rather have any of those three guys than Schmidt, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, J.P. Sears wildly outperformed Schmidt when he was up a few times last year. Um, and look, those guys not performing well, I don't think is really indicative of their talents. It's, you know... 
Two of them got shipped to Oakland. That's not an inspiring place to play. They're fucking moving with them and the possum to Las Vegas. Like they're in the midst of all that. Do you think Big the West- possum is gonna? Do you think the possum's gonna survive the move? I feel like it's gonna stay in the stadium for the full five years, and then when they blow up the stadium, it will uh, explode. <laughs> I want to see the possum walk out with a stick and bandana like that. I want that to be the the lasting <laughs> image of the Coliseum. Um, and you have Wes Neski who went to the Cubs, and like uh, Chicago's not really an uninspiring place to play, but. You look at the Cubs, you know, like, what is this team doing? They don't even like they, they have no discernible core. They have no discernible vision, in my opinion. So, like, you know, when you get traded from the Yankees, like a lot of people want to play for the Yankees and then you get shipped away and then you start not playing well. It kind of makes sense. Um, but in the case of Clark Schmidt, um, God, I hate having to do this. I really do because I want the players on this team to do well. But Clark Schmidt, I don't know what else. Well, first of all, he had a good year last year from a relief standpoint, um, and it was kind of tough for me to admit that because I I wasn't entirely impressed. But you look at the counting stats, and it's like, okay, this was a decent year. You could build upon this. You could do something with this. And then instead of just building upon his arsenal that he was starting to become successful with, he adds in a new pitch that completely upends everything that he's doing, which I don't think he has the luxury to do as um, – as a uh, as a 27 year old, um, I think you kind of got to just work with what you have and try to figure it out and say, you know, you're not you're not a an over the hill, you know, Hall of Fame starter looking to reinvent yourself. You're not um, a veteran who's undergone multiple surgeries trying to change change your entire game. Um, so, a, I think that's the first problem, and B, I think the other issue is that he's just simply not a starter. Um, nine career starts. Uh, his splits are awful. Uh, it's a 6.55 ERA as a starter with a 1.69 whip compared to a 3.22 ERA and a 1.31 whip. And that's nine starts in 29 games. But you look at the inning by inning breakdown, and this is where you have to notice something bad is happening. He is by far the absolute worst out of any inning. The first inning, he cannot pitch the first inning. He has a seven ERA in 41 pl- facing batters in 41 plate appearances, which is pretty much the norm going down the list. Um, he's most effective in inning six through seven. Every other inning is bad, um, especially innings one through four. So I don't know why. And you know, and you see the fourth inning. It's always the first and the fourth for Schmidt. It's the first because he's trying to get settled in and it's not working. Then he gets in a groove and, innings two through three, and then here comes the lineup again for the second or third time, and then he gets waxed. So I don't know what's taking so long for the Yankees to notice this. I understand there's not anybody exactly immediate who could fill in, um, but if this isn't enough evidence for them to kind of pull the plug here and figure out that um, if there is an extended absence with somebody, whether it's Severino, um, whether it's Carlos Rodon, hopefully not, um, they they need to do something else. Uh, and you look at Johnny Brito is the perfect example. Bounce back after that awful start. He had his first two starts were great, and three out of his four starts are already better than almost than all of Clark Schmidt's starts since he's been a Yankee. So again, it's the Yankees letting this kind of letting um, you know uh, uninspiring performances continue. And they need to just, they need to pull it. They need to figure out where to fit Clark Schmidt without it. Cause it's hampering the entire team. It's putting a strain on the bullpen. You know, you might as well just go with an opener. Some of these games, they can at least get you through two scoreless innings. Schmidt can't even do that. So um, it can't go on longer. That's, that's the short answer. Yeah. Somehow he's gone from being the number two starter at the start of the season by default. No one considered him as such. But while they were waiting for Nestor Cortez to build himself back up and everybody got injured, they were like, all right, you're starting the second game of the year. Now he's the obvious first guy gone as soon as Luis Severino or Carlos Rodon comes back. It feels like Severino comes first. He was throwing a bullpen session. Uh, He he threw some BP to Harrison Bader today, broke his bat, said, I'm too nasty. That's nice because what we're seeing from Carlos Rodon is uh, nothing another CT scan. Uh, talk about that next. But first, uh, if you missed the top of the show, I'm here to continue to tell everybody that we do have an offer for new users on DraftKings. As long as you're in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, 
The offer is bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. As long as you use the code YANKSGOYARD. That's YANKSGOYARD, one word. Minimum $5 deposit wager required. New customers only, 21 plus and present in New York. Gambling problem? Uh, well, New Jersey and Connecticut as well. But if you have a gambling problem in New York, particularly, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In New Jersey, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that if you don't have Marty Appel's book, Pinstripes by the Tail, yet, you should get it through us. Go Please. to Triumph Books. Go to Triumph Books. Pick it up. Uh, Marty Appel was the PR man for the Yankees in the 70s, and the man knows more about the pinstripes. He's forgotten more than I know, and I think I know a lot. Uh, head over to triumphbooks.com slash pinstripes by the tail, T-A-L-E. Drop the promo code YANKS25. Again, no spaces. YANKS25. It's a 25% off discount on the book. That's valid through June 30th. So go ahead, grab that book as well, and read up on what used to go right for the Yankees back when uh, pitchers came here and dominated in free agency instead of coming here and never showing up. Uh, Carlos Rodon's uh, ongoing injury issues just make me sad. Um, mm. you, you can't care. You can't make yourself care. Because right now, uh, River Avenue Blues tweeted earlier in the week that he's basically Ben Rortvet, and it's hard to disagree. He's basically Ben Rortvet right now. This was the big addition the Yankees made this offseason, and it was – a, a good one uh, it, for anybody who wants to say that it's hypocritical to look back on something and say, Oh, it's bad now, but it was good. Then uh, Frankie Montas, we all agreed uh, back then, you know, I guess you got to do it, but we were less than enthused about his injury. And then he admitted he was injured the entire time. And maybe you don't do that. It doesn't even take hindsight to say that, Hey, maybe you don't do that. Rodon, I'm still standing. Uh, I got one foot in the grave saying this is a good move, no matter how it turns out. It's just money. It's the exact thing the Yankees were missing. Fire breathing number two is invaluable. He wanted to be here. He chose us. I'm mostly bummed because this was exciting. This was exciting to me. This was the main difference between this year's rotation and last. They did not get the bats they needed. They did not sign Brandon Nimmo. They did this instead. Left field was always going to be a hole unless Oswaldo Cabrera showed up, but the rotation was supposed to be different because of Rodon. His back started barking again this week, quote unquote, got sent for tests. The first test came back. Aaron Boone said mostly normal. He keeps saying this is a minor thing. They sent him for a CT scan today. Boone said again today, we still think it's minor. I hope it's minor, but even so, it shut him down for a couple more days. It originally felt like the elbow was going to be fine around now. The elbow is reportedly fine. We thought he might come back first week of May. No chance. Looked like mid-May until recently. No chance. Uh, do you kill Brian Cashman for this edition? Obviously, we spent a lot of time killing Brian Cashman for picking the wrong pitcher 3,000 times. Or is this finally one of those right process, wrong results things that people keep giving him credit for in other instances? I, I'm actually inclined to say this is a rare instance where, yes, right process and wrong result, but like so many High-profile Yankees pitching moves for the last five, six, seven years. It's not working. No, I'm not going to – there are two reasons I'm not going to crucify Brian Cashman for this. First of all, he had nothing to do with it. Um, it was definitely Hal Steinbrenner. Um, so that's one. He wasn't really responsible for it, in my opinion. Um, don't quote me on that. Secondly, um, is that if he was responsible for it, um, this is what we want the Yankees to do. We want them to go out. We want them to purchase the best player uh, to fill voids on the roster um, when it's appropriate um, and not make these little shoestring budget additions at the margins of the roster to try and get by. Um, and this was a great move. Carlos Rodon, two straight good years, um, limited injury issues over the last two years, um, which is what you wanted to see from a guy who has a long history of that. Um, and you couldn't have seen this coming. He's I think he previously had what shoulder and elbow issues specifically this time. It was outer forearm and back. And he had oh. Tommy John already yeah. relatively recently. He just made it through two healthy seasons. Yeah. The thought was you could get him. Hey, if he gets limited at 160, 170 innings, still rather have Carlos Rodon throwing 160, 170 innings and have him ready for October. I still feel that way, yeah. but we're going on a month into the season 
over a month since he was first hurt. We're now hearing the small setbacks, the little dings, the little dunks, and now he's going for more tests after the tests came back normal, mostly normal. So who who believes that anymore at this point? Nobody, and you shouldn't because nothing, nothing. Like they said, John Carlos Stanton. They hope he's back in six weeks. We'll see him in ten. That's I hope he's it. back. In, I hope he's back in six weeks. I mean, yeah, why? I hope would he's he back know? in six weeks. It's not gonna. Ha- it's simply not gonna happen. No, um, you can quote me on that. Um, but yeah, as for Rodon, it was the right move. Um, it was a fairly decent price for a for a starter who um, came off. What did he lead the league in FIP last year? I think the NL and FIP. Um, pitched in a very, he pitched in a stacked division. You know, if you're, if you're talking about, uh, Dodgers Padres, you know, that's, that's, those are two of the best opponents you could offensive opponents you could possibly face. Um, and, um, uh, the Yankees needed kind of a fire breathing lefty or just a fire breathing option in general. Um, so I can't fault anybody for this deal. Um, um, I, I there, this is just bad luck. Um, it's, it's kind of in line with like the Stanton deal. If you really think about it, like, you know, there's a long injury history, but you're still going to make the moves anyway. But yeah. Um, Rodon, it seemed like he was in the clear, whereas Stanton was, he, you know, he had, I think he had like, he had the MVP year, obviously, but like the couple of years before that he was hampered by injury. So you saw it wasn't too far behind. Um, and the risk on Rodon was much less. It was 27 mil a year uh, for six years. And it was somebody who's much more valuable as a starting pitcher who can instantly change a game for you in August or October. Um, so I'm not faulting anybody for this. This is just shitty, stupid luck. And it's frustrating because then you ask why get better? Why even try to get better? Everyone's talking shit. Oh, you're, you guys are cheap. You're not spending money. Then we spend money and the injuries go down. And then it's like, Oh, you're going to buy every player and they're all going to get injured and you suck. And it's like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, I mean, they want you to fail. That's what they yeah. want. Uh, he he did lead the league in FIP last year and in strikeouts per nine. Yeah, I, I can't put him in the, I mean, obviously I can't put him in the Montez bucket. Uh, he did not uh, lie about his injury at the time of the trade and then disappear for the full year and a half of his tenure. He's here for five more years after this year, whether yeah. you like that or not. This like is it. a long-term addition to the team. Uh, none of these seem like permanent things that will destroy his entire tenure. You just got to cross your fingers and hope he comes back. But until he does, it's hard to think about. It's just hard to envision his existence because it's been so long. He threw two innings. um, And what I wrote about was basically in spring training, he was really gutted when he was horrible in his one debut outing. And he basically was stewing on the bench saying, I hate to lose. This kills me. And like he he gets us. He's perfect. He is perfect for this team. Um, even I couldn't bring myself to care about him struggling in spring training. He's perfect for the Yankees. He's exactly what they need. It's just a shame we have to keep waiting to get introduced to that during uh, games that actually matter and into the postseason. So rest up, Carlos Rodon, for now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Speaking of guys who are still injured, who uh, I think we have to be a little bit more patient on and who truly cares, Josh Donaldson was almost shoved down our throats this week. Why? This is uh, this is one of the funniest recent Yankees injury instances of all time. Just because I I truly don't I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know who was making the decisions here. I don't know who was pulling the strings. Donaldson got hurt uh, walking to first base on a flyout in the cold and rainy weather against the Phillies. He hurts his hamstring. They say it's minor. He might not even go on the IL. Oh well, we might as well put him on the IL. Yes, great decision. Uh, why rush back a struggling player early in the season? But the whole time they're saying it's going to be the minimum IL stint. Just going to be down for the 10 days. We'll give him a couple of rehab games. He'll come back. All of Yankee fandom is like, ah, we're good. You can take as much time as you want. And the Yankees are like, no, seriously, he's feeling great. Like, he's barely even hurt. He was never hurt. And he's going to play a game. He's going to come back. Even on Monday, they were like, he's going to play a game at Somerset. Uh, and then he'll be back this week. So we're going through it. Oh, is this the end of Willie Calhoun? Are they going to burn an Oswald Peraza option to have him up on the team for three days? That doesn't make any sense. Donaldson shows up at his rehab game. He can't run. He is hobbled. He goes one for three. I think he had an infield single. He's sort of jogging to first. He still looks like he's in just as much pain as he did 
previously. And after the game, they're like, yeah, it's still nagging him. We actually have no idea how long it's going to be. And he was like, this is a frustrating process for me. And then they shut him down indefinitely. So I guess that's fine. That helps with the infield logjam, and nobody really is, you know, got their fork and knife and, and napkin in their chest waiting for Josh Donaldson to come back. But why, of all people, did you act like Josh Donaldson, someone who we don't even really want to see, was healthy when he wasn't even close? Who Who is in charge of that? It seems like whoever's in charge of any of these decisions is bad. That's That's just what it seems like. You can't an outsider coming in looking at the Yankees injury situations. Like I have people asking me all the time, what's up with Stanton? I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know. I he, he is the wish. best at this though. The, the yeah. quote that he put out today, yeah. uh, every coming. time we talked about this, you know, we knew it was coming. We talked about Hicks versus Stanton in the last episode and how Stanton could easily be Hicks. He could be flinging his helmet around. He could be angry at everybody. But instead, he takes accountability. They talked to him, and he said, the disbelief and disappointment is hard to put into words. The team relies on me, and he called his own absence unacceptable. That's fantastic. But that said, he doesn't know what's going on with him. We don't know what's going on with him, and it won't stop. Josh Donaldson, uh, we spend 10 days thinking he's about to come plague our televisions again, and then all of a sudden we see him, and he's like he, – he borderline looks unhealed. Yeah. Like not not that I care, but other teams, players on other teams heal from their injuries, right? We see Donaldson after 10 days off his feet, and it's like, oh, he got worse. He stiffened up. They don't work anymore. He's like Forrest Gump running a person in Somerset. <laughs> and not and not late in the movie. Eventually, Forrest <laughs> Gump does marathons. Early in the movie, he has full leg braces. I'm talking child Forrest Gump. <laughs> Not not University of Alabama, Forrest Gump. Not no. Yet. Eventually, Forrest Gump becomes extremely fast. It's kind of his thing. But early <laughs> in the movie, he has a disability, and that's what Josh Donaldson was yes. running like. Uh, I don't. Yeah, for an aging player too, he's in his age thirty seven season right now. We were talking ad nauseum about how um, you know the the aging curve may have hit him swift and hard right over the head, and that's probably just what we're dealing with. Um, it looked like it at the onset of the season. It certainly looked like it last year. And now you have a guy with it with no less. It's a hamstring injury. I don't know if you guys understand. I mean, you probably do based on all the sports that you've watched. Hamstring injuries are serious. The hamstring muscle is gigantic. It goes into your lower back. It extends down your leg for an aging person who is putting all of their weight on that leg. That needs to take the absolute most possible time to heal and I don't know how they allowed whatever to happen with Donaldson to happen, but he's going to have a setback. Expect him to be out for just as long, if not even longer, uh, because when you re-aggravate the hamstring, that's when you start running into issues. Yes. I don't know what's going on with this medical staff. I really don't. No, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's modern medicine. We're, we're very much, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're experimenting with Josh Donaldson. Uh, Josh Donaldson, the aging curve that hit him is like what happened to Twitter so far this year. It's like, he'll be fine. I think he'll be back. Oh no, wait. Like now retweets look like a guy scribbling on parchment. And now the check marks are going away on April 1st, April 20th, but they didn't. And now they're gone. I just opened my Twitter app. It said I had 20 notifications and I go, Oh my God, am I going viral for sucking? No, I don't have 20 notifications. It's just busted. And that's oh, Josh cool. Donaldson. Now um, <laughs> let's uh, talk labor Torres too. I don't want to. Um, uh, yeah. I don't want to. And sure. I, again, I did think I was going viral for sucking because I tweeted about uh, Dalton Varsho again this morning ahead of the blue Jays series. And I did just have to mention um, Jays fans took the longest, yes, they did. Uh, angriest, victory lap after six games of Dalton Varsho. And right. I say this with full acknowledgement that he will kick the Yankees ass this weekend. Gabriel Moreno, the, the catcher they gave up, uh, has been fucking awesome. Uh, he's kind of hitting. He's hitting like 270. The Diamondbacks are in first place. Uh, the catcher they kept, Alejandro Kirk, is hitting 250 with a 688 OPS. And Dalton Varsho now has uh, the stat cast numbers suck. 14th percentile average exit velo, 27th uh, percentile hard hit percentage, 37th ex expected batting average. But, oh, wait, I was told that they don't really measure up because they don't capture the real Dalton Varsho because hey. he pulls the ball. Well, it turns out he stopped pulling the ball this year, even though the Blue Jays moved the fence 15 feet in to help him out. He has hey. a 677 OPS. The defensive metrics, 32, 32nd percentile and outs above average, 43rd percentile and outfielder jump. I'm not taking a victory lap either. I'm just telling you that you can't. 
Um, and and that's it. I'm sure there's some middle ground on Dalton Varsho, but he's really sucked for the last 12 days, sucked on defense, sucked on offense, stopped doing the thing that made every Blue Jays fan say he'd be transcendent this year. And uh, my mentions have been totally quiet. And Yanks go yard, people are not talking this anymore. So I assumed when I saw I had 20 notifications that it was a bunch of Blue Jays fans being like, hey, Dalton Varsho is still the truth. Uh, okay, best of luck. The Blue Jays have a bottom 10 run differential in baseball this year. Um, I, I don't know. I thought you guys went all in on pitching and defense and that was going to change everything. And your offense got worse and your pitching got worse and your defense got marginally better, I guess. But Dalton Varsho doesn't even look good. Again, I'm sure they'll sweep us this weekend because we have no offense. But uh, before that happens, it's fun to talk about. And one of the players who has made it so that we don't have any offense is Glaber Torres. Eighth career walk-off last night. Uh, quick quiz. Since Glaber Torres has joined Major League Baseball, who is the other player with eight career walk-offs? It leads baseball, and he's tied. Who's the other guy? What? Mm-hmm. Since 2018? Yep. Um, Ian Happ. Uh, he's, I'll give you one more guess before I ruin it. He's on arrival, but they don't play him. He's on arrival, but they don't play him. I have no idea. Jorge Alfaro currently catching for the Red Sox triple A team. Uh, High and Bloom has no concept of vibes what? and what they mean. Uh, they have left a walk off hero triple A just to hang out there while they don't currently have a catcher whatsoever. Oh uh, although I guess Reese McGuire is hitting 400. So whatever. Glaber Torres, he literally is hitting 400. Don't look it up. It's, it's true. It's, it's cool. very upsetting. Um, Glaber Torres started the year red hot, now hitting yeah. around 250. Hit a sack fly yesterday. Again, great AB with the bases loaded, one out and extras. Could have come up small, came up big. Had some solid ABs yesterday, but did not really have the results until extras. Uh, left a game in Cleveland with stiff groin. Since then, has one hit. I'm mm. not throwing dirt on him. I'm just letting everybody know that since the inflection point where he left the game with an injury, then we were told he's actually good to go. He got it worked on. He's not hurt. He's come back and been bad. Uh, I'm concerned. Yeah, um, sure. I'd be concerned over any – I'm in the back of my mind I'm concerned over any injury, whether minor or major, because, you know, the minor ones eventually develop and the major ones are always somehow worse than they than they appear to be. Um, but how about some positivity with Glaber? Um, he's walking a fuck ton. Yeah. He's being a little bit more disciplined at the plate. He's got 14 walks in 18 games. He had 39 walks in 140 games last year. So that's already – a, a remarkable turnaround. So at this moment, and look, what Glaber Torres is doing right now in terms of his slump with the last six games, he's got one hit. Um, it's no different than the average Glaber Torres slump. He's late on everything. He's a little bit lost at the plate. He's popping things up. So a lot of pop-ups. Yeah. Could it be the groin? Sure. It absolutely could. Could it just be a regular Glaber Torres slump? Yeah, it absolutely. This is, this is no different than what we've seen over the last four years. Um, it was obviously nice when he was hot. I think he needs to be very good in order for this team to be what it needs to be. Um, and look, even with this massive slump, still 133 OPS plus, still an 823 OPS. So, and only 10 strikeouts in those 18 games and 56 at-bats. So there are some positives here. Um, the only reason I'm not panicking yet um, is because – this kind of coincided with Stanton's injury too. Um, look, Stanton coming out of the lineup is going to hurt a lot of people. Uh, it always does. It's crazy. Yeah. He is the the piece that hurts a lot of people. Massive lineup protector. You can't get around it. And look, you even you go back and you examine the deal, and it's like, yeah, maybe paying three hundred twenty five million for Giancarlo Stanton was a little bit excessive. But when he's in there, everybody else is usually that much better. Uh, with the exception of some people who can't help themselves like Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Um, but you see the value. So you, you throw in those factors and then, you know, you want to talk about the rest of the lineup. Everybody's underperforming. So when everybody else is underperforming from DJ LeMayhew to um, Oswaldo Cabrera uh, uh, to Jose Trevino to now Franchi Cordero, who's slumping um, it's, it's harder for players who are, who are, uh, relied upon to pick up more of the slack to perform because there, there are a lot of easy outs around them and they're seeing a lot of the tough pitches. Um, so not entirely concerned yet. If he's been playing this consistently without an issue, 
since that day of the injury, then okay. Um, but yeah, I'll still uh, I'll still have this in the back of my mind until something else happens. Well, I like the lineup today. Even IKF in center field, I don't hate it. I, I want Judge out of center field as much as I can get him out of center field. Uh, we're getting Peraza. We're getting the guys you want to see. It's somebody, I think it was your enemy, Yankee Source, tweeted yesterday. Like Someone asked him where's where the Peraza starts, and he was like, Glaber's at second, DJ's at third. Where do you want him? And the entire world in the comments was like, Willie Calhoun is playing DH like every day. I want Glaber there and yeah. I want him at second. It's really not that like sometimes the math is hard. Yeah. In this instance, it was pretty fucking easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want that's what I want. I want a low Glaber at DH. I want Oswald Peraza at second. I want to see what I got today. Um, of course, it's against a lefty and a tough one. So not expecting much, but let's see some incremental progress before we end the show. Took us 50 minutes. We had to do it. Oh, Madison Bumgarner, one of the worst pitchers of baseball now. Yeah. For those of you who have not been watching for a long time, Madison Bumgarner has been awful since 2019. Uh, this is his fourth year with the Diamondbacks. The first one was 2020. Uh, is a season unlike any other, but it did not change the fact that he was very bad when he returned. 69 starts in three plus years, 5.23 ERA with the D backs. 10 plus ERA this year. He's been DFA'd after four starts. The Diamondbacks will eat $34 million on the contract. So you want to laugh at us, uh, and I know a lot of people do. The Arizona Diamondbacks will eat $34 million to release Madison Bumgarner into the wild. The Yankees won't eat $30 million to send Aaron Hicks packing. Less money, and you're the Yankees. But the Diamondbacks look at a guy who they invested big money in four starts into a season and they said we're leading the nls we're a surprise we can't deal with this anymore this guy is bad he cannot be receiving starts for us and he he now must leave the yankees instead are saying aaron hicks is going to play more now that jim carl stand is hurt they don't appear to be entertaining the obvious but after you're done laughing with full acknowledgement that madison bumgarner's numbers are bad stat cast numbers are bad under the hood stuff sucks over the hood stuff sucks. Uh, his attitude is frustrating. If he goes to the Yankees, people will hate him. The Yankees are running Clark Schmidt out there every five days. Johnny Brito is something in between. Uh, they need insurance in the rotation. Domingo Herman had one great start, two bad ones. Um, he cost the league minimum. Would you would you sign Madison Bumgarner? I am a sad. Yeah, I hate myself. I hate myself. I'm a sad yes. I know I know he sucks. It's not even a mystery. There's like a 5% chance Matt Blake can fix him and and, and figure something out. Uh, would he even listen to Matt Blake, who's a huge nerd? I don't know. Uh, he's like the pitching version of Brian McCann. Everybody who plays Madison Bumgarner hates him. He has not been the he has not been the World Series Madison Bumgarner for like eight years, and he has not even been the under four ERA guy. He he was sort of hanging on with the Giants. He got a 3-9 ERA in his last year there. He was sort of fringe average, basically league average, and now he's way worse. But, yeah, if you told me the Yankees signed him for $700,000, I would be like, sure, give him a couple starts. It's probably not going to work, but do it. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. Um, you look at Arizona, There's it's a lot of young players there, so – Maybe he was tasked with being more of a veteran presence. Um, <laughs> you know, he loved that. Yeah. Um, if maybe if he has more players like that are his peers, that could help. Um, am I am I dropping everything to do this right now? Absolutely not. Am I thinking about it? Sure. Um, the early returns are not good. He's averaging what four innings per start. I need a guy who's eating five. Yeah, I need a guy who's eating five every start. Like that's, that's what people are forgetting too. They're like, yeah. well, at the very least, Madison Bumgarner could eat innings, and it's like so far he actually can't do that. No, so I would love it, but he yeah. has not done that yet. And even last year, thirty starts, one hundred and fifty nine innings. Like, sure, but I don't know. He's still young, thirty three years old. So <laughs> it's not like it's not the craziest thing to consider. Who knew um, that? By the way, if you if you had bet me, I would have said thirty six. Thirty three yeah. is insane. Yeah, and you got to uh, – I think another important thing to acknowledge here is maybe the villain aspect of it. Um, yeah. He's not well-liked. Um, I don't know if he's a nice guy. Um, like, he's kind of mean. Max Muncy 
Max Muncie hates him. Max Muncie's kind of a nice guy. Um, I don't know, you know, that kind of attitude in New York, like makes people hate the Yankees even more. Um, and if he's talking shit while he's sucking, like that'll make people hate the Yankees beyond, beyond how they already hate them now. So it's a, uh, it's kind of a mental thing that could play into our advantage if he ends up being halfway decent. Um, so I think it's worth considering the, the good part about this is that nobody is jumping at the opportunity to sign Madison Bumgarner. So the Yankees will have a little bit of time to deliberate, figure out if this makes sense. Um, the only problem is clearing roster spots with people coming back or I guess not coming back. Cause we don't know when people are coming back at this point. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a hard maybe for me. Um, it's definitely not a no, but it's definitely not a resounding yes at this point. It can't be. Um, yeah, his last start with the Diamondbacks, he picked a fight with Wilson Contreras yesterday over literally God knows what. And after the game, they were like, what, what were you guys chirping about? And he was like, if you watch him, you'd know. I, I don't. I don't I mean, know. He's, he's Latino. Like, I truly don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He, he likes to, <laughs> he's he not likes to bump here. <laughs> he, yeah, he likes to bat flip. So do a lot of people. I, I've never been more confused. Um, the Red Sox need rotation help too. Madison Bumgarner would be a pretty annoying guy to go there, but he he does not appear to have much talent at this point. Um, and it's not like the Red Sox are well renowned for fixing people at this current this current Red Sox staff doesn't exactly uh, get the best out of pitchers. Uh, Corey Kluber went there, and he looks like he looks like Madison Bumgarner so far. Everyone so. is saying everyone's saying Matt Blake experiment. I don't know if this is an experiment for Matt Blake because, like you said before, I don't think Madison Bumgarner would listen to him. Um, but if you look at his Savant page, um, Madison Bumgarner, he has seemingly increased his um, his cutter usage over the last few years and de-emphasized his curveball a little bit. I don't know if that's an issue. I don't know. But all it'll take, you know, all it takes in these instances is a little switch. Emphasize one pitch, you know, your number one pitch becomes your number three pitch, your number three pitch becomes your number one pitch. I don't know. I don't know. He's clearly a talented dude. Um I don't know if there's anything left in there, but if there could be, if he's open-minded to changing his approach a little bit, um, that could be that could be the difference. Yeah, quote Madison Bumgarner, I ain't doing that shit. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think he just goes to Texas. It, like they they had Jake Odorizzi, they lost him. Bruce Bochy manages the Rangers. I think probably just pencil that in. But uh, yeah, worth it. It's not every day that a guy who was on a Hall of Fame trajectory and who we all wanted the Yankees to trade for in 2019 is yeah. now suddenly available. Um, so you got you got to make the you got to think about it because uh, your your four or five right now is pretty bleak. Your three four or five is also kind of bleak, and one more injury and you're in a really dark place. Uh, the Yankees AAA depth, the guys starting a AAA are quite bad. Matt Crook has been amazing, 17 Ks and nine and a third innings. Ooh. He's not starting. Nine and a third innings is not a starting pitcher. Um, Davey Garcia has been great too. Eleven innings for him. So the bulk guys at AAA have been good. The starters pretty meh so i i'd do it i wouldn't i'm not getting the mad bum jersey but i do it uh would you do it sound off in the comments sound off in the uh replies on twitter let us know we got an article examining it later today that basically sums up what we just said now he's not very good but maybe uh <laughs> could be cool but yeah he's, he's pretty bad at this point um for next time you can find us uh, every monday thursday if you like what you heard if you didn't like what you heard We'll be live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, now, next week, we'll be right back at it. The audio feed will have uh, the podcast updated just uh, shortly after we're done here. You can subscribe to us there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us. And again, you'll find a bonus episode this week with uh, legendary Wade Boggs, uh, who dropped by to talk to us. Uh, 20 great minutes. Got a lot of content out of that. And uh, got different content than the Talking Yanks interview. So uh, not, not saying you compare both of ours, but... Uh, we did both get Wade Boggs, and, and they're different. Uh, some of them thanks, are, Wade. some of them are the same, but uh, <laughs> some of them are different. Um, and yeah, thanks, Wade. That was awesome talking to him. He's uh, uh, he's very obviously Wade Boggs. You get him on the phone, and you're like, "Yep, that's Wade Boggs." He's acting <laughs> and talking like Wade Boggs. Uh, it was sick. It was, it was a dream come true. We got more great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, another little plug there. Um, until next time, 
I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, uh, where can the people find you? You know, at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find both of us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. It's a crapshoot. You don't know who's tweeting. So again, figure it out. Don't call out the wrong guy. We don't want to have to deal with this anymore. No. Uh, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. As Adam said, plenty of content there for you. Some stuff that we're going to elaborate further upon that we talked about today and even earlier this week. Um, and until then, have a great weekend. Blue Jays coming to town. Let's smack them around. We'll talk to you on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live right here. Happy 420. Alec Manoa versus Garrett Cole on yes. Saturday. Get your popcorn. Uh, also, Clark Schmidt appearing in this series. Uh, put your popcorn away. But we'll see you on Monday, and we'll talk all about it. Bye, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.